Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, it feels strange to be back behind the microphone after being gone for so long, but I hope you'll enjoy listening to the rewind of uh, Rory McDougall's sail around the world on his catamaran. So a lot to uh, tell you about. Uh, I did record several episodes while on the boat this summer, and I'm going to be sharing some of that with you today. But I want to tell you about the actual trip over. So we flew from Salt Lake City to Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, I had the opportunity of, of meeting one of my friends and listeners, Jocks Ten Kate. And we had supper together, my wife and his wife, Ruth. We met at a nice restaurant in Amsterdam and spent a couple hours talking and getting to know each other. And I'm going to have Jacques on the podcast at some point in time to talk about his travels around Sardinia. He bought a boat and he, with a friend, and they fly back and forth uh, from Amsterdam to Sardinia and go sailing. So we're going to get some more inside information on sailing around Sardinia. Along the way, I also got an email before I left from uh, another listener in Amsterdam, Terrace. And Terrace wanted to get together for a beer. And I'm sorry, Terrace, but I didn't get your email until after I had already uh, planned our trip and I didn't see it. And then I see after I got back that you wrote me another email saying, hey, if you're coming back through Amsterdam, and I was, uh, that we could meet on the 26th. Well, I actually didn't get your email until August 31st, and I was had been back in the States uh, since the 27th of August. And so I'm sorry I didn't respond to you in a timely manner, but if I'm back through Amsterdam again, I'd love to sit down and have a beer. You did give me your phone number, and you said you work next to the central station and live about 20 minutes from it. So it would be easy to meet up with you and have a beer, and I hope at some point in time, Terrace, to, uh, to meet you. Thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate it. On my way back, quite honestly, Terrace, I flew from Berlin to Amsterdam and just stayed at a hotel near the airport because our flight was out reasonably early the next morning out of Amsterdam, and I just thought it would be easier to uh, to, to stay at an airport hotel rather than come into Amsterdam because since I really didn't have any time to enjoy Amsterdam on my way back. When we flew over, my wife and I spent three nights in Amsterdam, so we took the opportunity to visit some of the uh, areas outside of Amsterdam, including Harlem, or Harlem, and also a little north. I think it was a little north. I get so disoriented when I don't have mountains to orient myself, and it's flat in Amsterdam, so I don't really have the orientation that I do when I'm in the western United States, and I have mountains where I can always orient myself. But I think it was north to uh, to a town north, and I forget the name of it, that had oh, about four or five working windmills. And I just think it's fantastic that that technology is, is, is there for us to observe because it was a, a giant leap in technology for the time, harnessing the wind to, to do work for you. So anyway, from from Amsterdam, my wife and I flew on to Dubrovnik and started putting the boat in the water, and <laughs> that's where the adventure begins. I'm not sure how much I'm going to really talk about uh, about our trip 
this time, I think on this podcast, I'm going to be sharing uh, some of the thoughts and observations I had while on the boat and not really do much of a monologue. But before we get to that, let me thank our sponsor, Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping you with everything you need to sew for your boat, from bimini's and boat covers to upholstery work and even sewing your own sails. Sailrite is your one-stop shop for fabric, sail and canvas kits, tools, hardware and sewing supplies. Sailrite is also the maker of the patented Ultrafeed sewing machine, a portable heavy-duty machine that can handle all the sewing jobs for your boat and more. A passionate crew of DIYers, Sailrite produces high-quality, free how-to videos to empower their customers to turn their sewing dreams into a reality. Got a few emails from clients. I got one from Kevin Embry, and Kevin wrote, Franz, I love your podcast. Please consider Grog as your next podcast guest. Grog is a sailor, set the world sailing speed record, British accent, intelligent, funny, currently 84 years old, and he created the AnimatedKnots.com, the number one knot tying site in the world. And I probably visited that site several times. Anyway, that teaches people how around the world how to properly tie knots, and he gave me a link. And now that I'm back, I'm going to try to reach out to Grog and see if he'd like to come on for a podcast for an interview. Then I got another quick email from David, David Hartman. David wrote, been listening to you for a while. Just want to let you know that I'm really enjoying your interview with Rory. It's really a great story. Yeah, that's why I wanted to put all, I think it's seven episodes, uh, as a rewind Altogether, because when I originally recorded those interviews with Rory, it was over a oh, two or three months period of time because Rory and I would get on the uh, on Skype and we would talk for an hour. And after an hour's up, I I need to get back to my real job, my day job, try to make a living. And uh, and I'd say, hey, Rory, let's come back and revisit this a little later on, and would set a time and get together and and. Uh, talk later on so it was uh it was probably a three or four uh, episode i mean three or four different times that i sat and talked with rory and when i released them i released them as i interviewed him and so they weren't all together so that's why i wanted to put all those interviews together at one time uh, so you could enjoy them from from so there's some consistency from in the story going from part one to part two part three and so forth so uh, thanks, David. I appreciate the feedback on that. I am looking for a sponsor for the podcast. I was going to throw an advertisement in for sponsorship, but I haven't got it ready right now. Or if I do, I haven't dug it up on my uh, <laughs> on my computer. I know I recorded one. And at least I put together a sponsor page on the website. So if you know anybody that would be good as a sponsor for the podcast, let me know. I'm looking for uh, an additional sponsor other than Sailrite uh, because I've got to somehow <laughs> justify all the time and money that I put into this podcast uh, with some remuneration at some point in time. I'm going to be interviewing a company called Image Sales. I found them, I don't remember where, I think it was maybe in Twitter or something where they basically put really cool graphics up on sales. And uh, Marv, Marvin Santos is the person that I've been talking to. He's the vice president of marketing at Image Sales. And if you want to have some pretty cool graphics on your sale, 
I think that's a company that you can go to. I'm going to learn more about it as you learn more about it when I do the interview. All right. So from here on out, I'm going to cobble together uh, a few different observations that I recorded while on the boat this summer. Uh, And I hope you enjoy it. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or comments, feel free to write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. So let me give you a little bit of an introduction to this uh, this episode, this podcast. I picked up my family in Dubrovnik. Um, My daughter, Michelle, and her fiancé, Chris, uh, joined us, and we sailed up from Dubrovnik North. We spent some time in Mijet, and we worked our way up past Havar and uh, kept going north. One of the goals of the trip was to get to uh, Kirka Falls, because Chris had not been to Kirka Falls and had read about it, and he wanted to get there. So we work our way up. We spend a night in Sibinik. We're having some mechanical problems, and we'll go into that a little later on in some other podcasts when I talk about all the uh, all the mechanical uh, problems we had and the learning experience I had in solving some of these problems. But we pull into Scranton, which is up the river from Sibinik, oh, about mm, 15 miles, maybe 20 miles. I don't know, right off the top of my head. And it's one of my favorite anchorages, quite honestly, because the water is fresh. So suddenly you've gone from salt water to fresh water. Uh, it's not totally fresh, but it's almost fresh. So you don't you can go swimming, and you can get out, and you don't need to wash the salt water off your body. It's it's really pleasant, and the water temperature was cool and comfortable. Where everywhere else would been, the water temperature was too warm to really be refreshing when you got out. But we pull in and there's this boat and it says from Mountain Green, Utah. And the name of the boat is Yurt. And I think, hmm, another person from Utah here. And we just, uh, you know, we we stayed on the boat and swam during the day. And later on that evening, some people start heading back to the boat. And we yell at them and they come over and it turns out to be it's Jeff Whitmer and his family. And I'd had Jeff Whitmer on the podcast in a previous episode. And let me find that episode for you. So that's episode 187, and that was published around uh, the end of March. Uh, and so, lo and behold, we hadn't planned. We had made no plans of meeting up, but there he was. And so we had this opportunity to uh, reacquaint ourselves, meet his family, and uh, go on his boat, which was nice and luxurious and lots of entertaining space, and we conducted this interview. So I hope you enjoy it. So let me give you a little bit of an introduction to this uh, this episode, this podcast. I picked up my family in Dubrovnik. Um, my daughter, Michelle, and her fiancé, Chris, uh, joined us, and we sailed up from Dubrovnik North. We spent some time in Mijet, and we worked our way up past Havar and uh, kept going north. One of the goals of the trip was to get to uh, Kirka Falls, because Chris had not been to Kirka Falls and had read about it, and he wanted to get there. So we work our way up. We spend a night in Sibinik. We're having some mechanical problems, and we'll go into that a little later on in some other podcasts when I talk about all the uh, all the mechanical uh, problems we had and the learning experience I had in solving some of these problems. But we pull into Scranton, which is up the river from Sibinik, oh, about mm, 15 miles, maybe 20 miles uh, don't know right off the top of my head. And 
it's one of my favorite anchorages, quite honestly, because the water is fresh. So suddenly you've gone from salt water to fresh water. Uh, it's not totally fresh, but it's almost fresh. So you don't you can go swimming, and you can get out, and you don't need to wash the salt water off your body. It's it's really pleasant, and the water temperature was cool and comfortable. Where everywhere else would be, the water temperature was too warm to really be refreshing when you got out. But we pull in, and there's this boat, and it says from Mountain Green, Utah, and the name of the boat is Yurt, and I think, hmm, another person from Utah here. And we just, uh, you know, we, we stayed on the boat and swam during the day, and later on that evening, some people start heading back to the boat, and we yell at them, and they come over, and it turns out to be it's Jeff Whitmer and his family. And I'd had Jeff Whitmer on the podcast in a previous episode, and let me find that episode for you. So that's episode 187, and that was published around uh, the end of March. Uh, And so, lo and behold, we hadn't planned. We had made no plans of meeting up, but there he was. And so we had this opportunity to uh, reacquaint ourselves, meet his family, and uh, go on his boat, which was nice and luxurious and lots of entertaining space, and we conducted this interview. So I hope you enjoy it. The length of it. They call it a 44, but it's really 42 and a half feet. Okay. I don't know how that works. It's nice for the marinas, it's 12.98 meters. It's just below 13 <laughs> just below meters. The price goes up. <laughs> Except the ACI marinas figured that out and they, they go on half meters. Oh, they uh, well, they're everywhere, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the ACI marina in Dubrovnik sort of cuts me a, gives me slack because my boat papers say 28 feet. Uh huh. Which is 8.53 meters, but yeah. my overall length is 37 feet. Well, because you got all the stuff in oh, the front and the back. Yeah. But, then, but yeah. I've been there so many times, I say, we well, you know, but you know, you've yeah. been back here over and over again, so let's do what we did the last time. So. <laughs> By the way, the recorder's going and we start oh, the actual cool. interview. Uh, cool. We're going to be doing a podcast tonight, so that'll be fun. That was awesome. cool. You're you really really I was getting irritated with you for telling all these stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're going to have to tell them all over again. You can come, you can come check out the boys' cabin. Go with it in the dark. Go in where the dark is. By the way, Franz's boat has soul. This boat doesn't have a lot of soul. So it's trying to get a soul for us because we're we're living with it. But just just so you know, there's snakes in this bay. Yeah, no, you They'll know. climb on board. Will they really? Yeah, I, I had one climb on board. Don't trust Jared. We saw one in Kirka. It was just hanging out underwater. Yeah, and then, and then because it's a charter boat, like every cabin. I want, I want to see your water maker. So you, want, you know what? I'll, sh- I'll, I'll show it to you. It's down here. And there's two things I haven't hooked up. I haven't hooked up the permanent electrical or what they call the brine. Okay. Because I've been going with it. But this is my panel. Okay. So, um... This is the pretty part, but supposed to uh, supposed to be pretty. This is the pressure going to the high pressure pump. This is the pressure going to the membranes, which I'll show you back here in a second. Okay. This is the globe valve that modulates the pressure okay. going to. So it's 800 psi going through the membrane. So what are you trying to, to fresh, achieve then? Fresh so. water. Really, all you're trying to achieve is 800 psi salt water. 
Right, I'm just grade gauge here, right? Yes. No, this this is the 80 psi. This is the pressure. So I have a boost pump that lifts salt water from below the 80 oh, okay. psi to the high pressure pump, and okay. the high pressure pump takes it up to 800 psi. Okay. So this is what you're looking for for yeah, for right here, right? Yeah, so you okay. hit 800 with the globe valve. This, okay. This tells you the TDS total dissolved solids. I think is tells this, you is the, it, the is this something you bought then? Yeah. Yeah. I, I bought all. This stuff. It's a it's a salinity meter, really. It tells oh, that's you. all it is. Okay. Yeah, and so I can check to make sure the water going to the tank is salt water or not. And I haven't labeled my panel yet, right? Okay. But this uh -huh. this sends it overboard, so it won't go to the tank. Uh -huh. This will actually send it to the tank. And these are the two flows. I wanted to be able to measure both the flow. The way that the membranes work is you need more flow going through the membranes, taking the salty water away. Right. And then only a little bit of water goes through the membrane and goes so I can measure both, right? Otherwise, the membranes become saturated with salt, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. And so, one thing I have my buddy bringing me is a flexible hose, because right now you have to peek around. I have it. It's hard stainless steel pipe, so you're going to have to look back there. I can do that. I'll give you a flash. Oh yeah, I can Hello. see. Hey, Johnny. And uh, oh, yeah. if you if you look around the corner, I've I've got filters. There's four 10-inch filter housings up on the wall here to way oh, to the yeah. right. Uh huh. And those filter the water coming in, and then there's the lift pump. As the clear hose goes to the lift pump, which is actually right behind your head. It's up there in the ceiling. Smells like new fiberglass bag here. You know, isn't that funny? It's yeah. the whole boat behind all those panels smells. You can see it's all the glass, right? Yeah. You can see all the structural uh -huh. panels of the catamaran. Yeah. And, okay, uh, so this is the filter. And there's and so, the membranes I see right there. Okay. Yep, those are 1,000 so you, PSI membranes. So that's why you have the stainless steel pipe going to the... Uh, Exactly. It's 1,000 PSI then. Yep. And, and where's the pump? Is that the pump right there? Yeah, it's literally just a pressure washer. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's pretty damn simple, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and all in, so you can, you can do it for about $1,500 if you do one membrane mm -hmm. and you'll make 20 gallons an hour. Um, I bought a bigger pressure washer that, because this boat is 220, uh -huh. you can actually get a, a bigger pressure washer than you can even get in the States that's 110. So it's about a four horsepower pressure washer. Uh huh. And so I can get 40 gallons an hour with the two membranes, but that makes it about $2,500. Yeah, which is not a bad deal. So. No. You know, for the capability and everything else. So the water comes in. From a through hole. Through a hole. And it comes so in that clear hose that's right in front of your down face. Down here. So it comes in this way then. Yeah, huh? and it okay. comes into that pump. Okay. And it goes through a filter housing. Okay. Uh -huh. And if you look there, I have two different filters. Yeah. There's, there's the other set of filters are carbon filters for uh -huh. a freshwater pump. There's solenoid valves on there with one-way valves where I flip a switch and I can change it to run fresh water through the pressure washer pump and through the membranes to clean it all out after I use it. So it's just drinking water at that point in time. Yeah, it's, it's literally the same water that I made from the tanks. And what that does is it cleans the membranes off and cleans so that they don't biofoul because you'll ah. get biological growth in there and you'll get biological growth in those All filters. Right. And right. then it also puts fresh water through the pressure washer and makes it last a lot longer. Okay. Okay. And like I say, so it looks a little ghetto with my stainless steel. I did nice stainless steel work on the supply going into membranes. Now, did membranes. you bend that stainless steel yourself? Uh -huh. How yeah. did you do that? Just a hand bender. It's like okay. a little But that's thing that stuff to do. It's rock. still... No, it's like a little eight-inch long handle, and it doesn't. Um, it's not super hard with the three-eighths inch tubing. Okay. 
And so, uh, and then, yeah, but it's a little ugly because I had to make it flexible enough to set it up now. Right. And I got uh-huh. my buddy coming with a flexible hose. Yeah, you host. go, you know, yeah, so you're going to go with flexible holes after that stuff there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize I was going to mount it here. I thought I was going to mount everything like up in a forward locker or something. Uh-huh. But this space. What a nice thing to have. It. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. Between that and the solar, we literally have never worried about electricity and haven't, we've always had 100% batteries by like 3 p.m. Wow. Which is just fantastic. I can run the AC off the batteries for like two hours. So this is the master cabin over here then, huh? Nope, no, this, well that's that's where we sleep in the, in right the back, back cabin. Right okay, uh-huh. But um, that's just, they're all just about the same size bed, same size everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, but the washer and dryer right there, so we turned one of the one of the heads. Oh, okay, okay. I'll turn a light on for you. You can see how it's fun to say we have an extra fridge and a washer, but it's all just small. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so that's the fridge and that's the washer then. Yeah, and we just did home stuff because the marine stuff's so expensive. So expensive. Yeah. And we just leave the inverter on all the time and it runs it just fine. But yeah, that's been. That's been really, really nice. <laughs> well, and you just take it out when you're done. That's, you that's just it, because it's ghetto. You wouldn't want to sell a nice right, boat with that exactly. kind of stuff in yeah. it. But it was, for what it, what it costs, you just use it and then you're done. You throw it away. So I'm going to introduce the podcast and we're just going to have a general discussion. I'll edit when I get back to the office. Cool. All right. We can sit around that table. If that's you probably know. better. Yeah, let's do that. Do you guys want a drink first? I brought you over a $4 water bottle of wine, so we got to taste it and see how good it is. You know what? You guys, that's right up my alley. I love the cheap. I can't taste the difference between the cheap wine and the expensive wine. And we've always been very pleasantly surprised with the cheap wine. Here, hand me that guitar. I'll throw it out of the way. Who plays? Sit over there. You can have a big selection of cheap wine. So I asked the lady at the store, I said, give me a good table wine. And she said, this one, this was the red wine, and then they had a white wine that she gave me, so I just bought the red one. So Perfect. I wasn't sure, so. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we're limited to 12 bags of luggage. Uh, well, unless we pay a ton more. So the kids literally had no toys. Like, they didn't bring a single toy. And so we've been making our toys. <laughs> we have this is all these lighters if you take a full lighter and throw it up against the rocks it'll kind of explode a little bit or pop you know and so they got into I need to introduce you on my video okay. alright we ran into some awesome guests in the same bay we're staying in tonight do you want to, let's see, Franz, uh, yes. and, and while we're doing this, we are, uh, we are going to record an episode for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. So, Jeff, I had on the podcast, well, about a, two months ago, you were on the podcast, and I didn't expect to run into him, but we pulled into this bay near Scrat- oh, Scraton, near Kirka Falls in Croatia. It's July 21st. And we're going to do a podcast here of them living the dream because before you were still in the planning stages, now you're out on the water, and it's great to run into you. So it's good to run into you guys yeah, too, living your dream, man. Yeah. And your wife Kay. Hello. And your I'm lovely Michelle. daughter Michelle this and Michelle's special Chris. friend who just became a fiance, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So My name's Chris. Hello, everyone. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Hello. Chris's Chris first time on a sailboat this My this first time, yeah. This is my first experience on a sailboat, so uh, this is going to be an interesting experience for me to listen to you guys talk about it. I want to hear about your first impressions. Oh. I know. Not wow. yet. Put you on the spot. I uh, know. That does put me on the spot. He has uh, been so excited and willing to learn anything. 
It's it's been an absolute dream. Uh, my, my first experience has been uh, just incredible. Um, I come from a background of loving to camp and and uh, backpack and um, you know I enjoy that kind of uh, roughing it environment. And oh, look at him! Look at him! Oh, sorry. Oh, look at the, I'm look like looking at the recorder. I'm like I, you know I just uh, no no no. It's um, the microphone and just it's it it just feels like you're camping on the water and. I love being in the mountains. I love um, just, I guess, as corny as it might sound, you feel like you're becoming one with nature. Uh, it's when I feel the most spiritual, and uh, being out on the water and, and being able to cook up these little meals every night uh, out on, on the sea and go swimming and uh, learn the physics of how a sailboat works. And um, it's just been cathartic and uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had. So it's it's been fantastic. I've loved every too. every minute of it. Yeah. So I, he's a good. He's an I told cook. I told really? I told Michelle that she can come back on the boat as long as she brings Chris. Um, <laughs> a new um, high bar for cooking uh, on the boat. He also he also just just explained why we named our boat Yurt. Right? We were going to ask so, you about yeah. that. So Check camping camping out out in the mountains, visiting yurts, whether it's yeah. in Idaho or in Utah, we go and we stay in these places, and they're kind of remote, kind of camping coming cathartic with nature and everything else and we just love it's like good people in good places in remote places like like yurts and so that's why we wound up naming our boat yurt was um yeah and we even parlayed that too we wound up building a yurt over like a year and a half way up on a hillside up in morgan at a wounded warrior camp it was like a big family project um, and uh, so yurts have kind of become a thing. But, so you build yeah. a yurt then? You yeah. build your own yurt? Did you sort? Yeah. So so when I say we, it's actually um, a good friend, a guy in our he he lives in our neighborhood. He sold his business, and he wanted to do something special with all that money and everything. So he bought ten thousand acres up in Morgan. And, uh, and he's building, like, a wounded warrior camp. So a big lodge, place where veterans mm -hmm. can come with their families and do kind of dude ranch stuff. Mm -hmm. And when he first bought the land, I had heard about it. And I was like, hey, you should build a yurt up, up there. He's like, uh, I'll buy it if you build it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was it. That was the next two years of uh, weekends and summers and everything else going up there. And it took. we built a seven-mile road way up to the top of the hill. And we actually put it on a 2,000-square-foot deck. It sits right in the middle on top of a hillside. It overlooks. You can look at the Park City, East Canyon, out over Morgan Valley. It's really like. So I need to ask some serious questions about a yurt because we're thinking of building one. We're thinking of building. We're thinking up at our up at our ranch. Yeah, up at our ranch. So, so I'm from Vermont. So we have a big big ranch up above Woodland, Utah, and and we got we got some land that would be beautiful for a yurt. We're, we've got a big house up there already, so this is just be something for the grandkids yeah. to play in, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So, what do you do for waste, solid waste, for bodily waste, and how do you heat it up? Is it for all a year-round yurt? What is it? So. so, this year the focus is summertime. It's at the very top of the property, so it's at the top of a eighty-five hundred foot peak. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like where people can either ride horses or when they're hunting, they can stay up there. And so it's um, shoulder seasons. We actually went up there for New Year's, and it was a little cold for the way that we had it set it up. <laughs> Negative, like I don't know if you remember. We had kind of a New Year's storm. There was there was, there was a lot of wind. There was a cold snap where cheers, it was uh, it was awesome. Cheers. 
nice to meet you out nice on the water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so wonderful. So, <laughs> so I would say it's a lot like a sailboat, right? The way that we set it up, we did do solar. Um, and um, the guy who started Goal Zero, have you heard of them? They do solar projects, products, and lithium batteries. Their company, Goal Zero, they're, um, they're probably the biggest like backpacking and remote solar lithium battery pack company around he uh he donated a big three kilowatt lithium battery pack that has built-in solar controllers and everything else so he got solar panels and you've got electricity with inverters right up there and so we we put in a nice and we've got propane so we put in a nice full kitchen we got a sink you got a water pump with water tanks you've got uh, a full-size fridge um and then as far as solid waste goes we were just finishing up by the time we left. They were going to dig a pit toilet to have an out- outhouse, but they also bought a composting toilet, which okay, people com- put on sailboats and right, um, right. and are pretty easy. Where if you're not going to overload it and if it's not too cold out, they work fantastic. Okay. I uh, helped a buddy sail his boat from South Carolina up to New York City. He had a composting toilet. Uh-huh. There was five of us living on that boat for four days, and the toilet was fantastic. Really? I've, I've tried. There's two main composting toilet companies in the in the states that I'm aware of, and I've tried to get both of them on for interviews mm-hmm. and neither one of us has been able to schedule an interview with me. yeah because i thought neil fletcher wants to put a composting toilet on his boat mm-hmm. and uh, so i thought well let's talk to somebody about it but we haven't been able to do that yet so. yeah. all right so i gotta ask you you got you picked your boat up in first of june may 13th may 13th and today's June 21st, so just July give July 21st. July 21st. So just give us uh, your schedule and where you've gone and what you've been doing for the last couple of months. I'm going to let my wife take care of this one right. because oh, she no, says no, it all no, much better brain. than you do. Yes. So I'm Shara Whitmer. And well, tell us about your YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is Team Whitmer, SV Yurt. YouTube.com slash C. <laughs> YouTube.com slash C slash Team Whitmer. And Whitmer is W-H-I-T-M-E-R. That's all YouTube would give us. And it took 100 subscribers to do that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're on Instagram just as ourselves. Well, Jeff is at Team Whitmer, and I am at Shara-Whitmer. And so you can kind of see those live updates on Instagram. Sure, does a good job on we, We've had a lot of family that want to keep in touch and keep tabs. Like, they're constantly worried we're going to get taken by pirates. Or, you know, you guys have heard all the stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Where are you going to get food? So I try to keep everybody posted pretty regular, regularly. But, yeah, so we started out in Lefkis, uh, Lefkis Marina, off of Greece. And we were in the marina for about a week, just kind of provisioning, getting the boat ready, things installed, projects going. Um, And then we left after about eight days. We took off and we sailed to Preveza, where we stayed about three nights there. Again, kind of finishing up boat projects. Were you tied along the the, the side by all the restaurants there? We went, we backed up to the town quay right by the Blue Arcade, which plays music until 1 a.m., (laughs) <laughs> they cleaned up the uh, sewage treatment plant, or was raw sewage still going in? No, I didn't notice anything. Right. It was actually beautiful. I was really, uh, I called it the the Greek Dagon Alley. If you, that's a that's a Harry Potter reference, but the streets inside 
just off of the town quay were so quaint, so charming, so many nice people, a lot of characters. It was really, really great. And that's where we met up with my sister and her husband flew in from Utah to stay a week with us. So we picked him up in Preveza. Then we uh, headed from there to the islands just south of Corfu, the smaller islands, which is Antipaxos and Paxos. And it was kind of our first time where we were able to start enjoying the sailing because the boat projects were put on hold for a minute. So we were able to get the sails up, really feel the wind in our hair, go to a few beaches and just kind of let go of that time and the scheduling of projects and just kind of enjoy. We went straight north, yeah, and we were we were subject to one timeline, which was just my sister and her husband flying out of Corfu. And so we knew we kind of had to bust our way up there a little bit. That aligned with the Shenzhen visa stuff where we kind of had to get out of the Shenzhen country as quick as we could. Um, but I think we got to talk a little bit more, but that area of Greece might be on the list as we work our way down yeah. before we cut over to Italy. Because, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily take it for granted, but those places were really, really nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on them and where to go. But, uh, yeah, the Paxos, Antipaxos, Corfu um, were gorgeous and beautiful. And I think that uh, Lefkada has a lot to offer, too, that we didn't even – we just – got out of Lefkada. You know, I've never spent any time in Lefkada. I've just yeah. always sailed through the, get up the canal. That's all I've done is been going through the Lefkada's canal. And when I first went there, that marina was not there. That was just a big open bay. So it's been overrun with charters. Just overrun, overrun, overrun with charters everywhere. Yeah. That's why we've learned that Friday is the best day in Croatia, because that's all the charter boats turn over on the same day, which I have no idea how they do that number of boats and like bringing them to the bases. But I'm glad they do, because you can get a feel for what it's like. And here we are sitting on an ex-charter boat. The only reason why we're here and learn to do what we did Mm -hmm. is by chartering. So it's not. But uh, it is is very populated with charter boats. This is Kay Amason. I'm Franz's wife. And uh, the one thing with the charters is they all go into port at the same time. But if you need a mechanic over that time, forget it. Because they have to see like 100 boats and fix them. So like we want to do some repairs on our boat and we have to wait until they're all back out again so that we can go ahead and see a mechanic. So that was an unexpected thing. And it also... It, it helps to explain, and we don't have many of them on this boat, but some of the repairs that look like quick Band-Aids or things that you realize that they had 30 other boats to deal with in a 12-hour period to get the boat back out on time or whatever, and it, it gives a little bit of context for some of the things that were done to this boat, how it looks. So, so like I say, we're on the, the back of their boat in this big lounge area, which we don't even know what it, it's like on my boat. But you may hear in the background there's a catamaran that's playing loud music, and actually it's pleasant music it for me. Oh, was that from Shore? Okay, so Black Sabbath Woman was playing for a minute there. And so, so that's just the background music. We didn't, uh, we didn't put any background music in this podcast, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk to Michelle, and... Uh, She's going to talk about growing up sailing on a boat. Okay, all right. So when did you start sailing, and what do you, what's your big memories of sailing on the boat? So my name is Michelle Amison, and I am Franz's daughter. So I grew up sailing, I guess, at four years old. Is that what we decided? Um, 
Well, do you want me to go back to like when you were building the boat? Do you want me to talk about that oh, at all? Well, you could, do you even remember me building? Yeah, the boat? I do. All right, tell me what you remember. Um, so, uh, so we grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we had this big. What kind of a building would that? What, what, what was it made? What was it made out of, though? It was made a steel shed. We just called it the boat house. And so I, I remember going out and just sitting and watching my dad work on the boat. And um, the thing that I remember you always telling me is I would be like, Dad, how do you know how to do all that stuff? Because you've always been my superhero. <laughs> and um, he would say to me, because I read books. And if you read books, you can do anything that you want to do. Um, and so I would watch him build. And I remember you'd have the heaters the heaters in the in the shed because it was really cold in the winter and that kind of stuff but you know I was young so that's about it and then I remember like the crane pulling it out of the backyard and stuff like that so so the question was did we have to dismantle the boat shed to get the the boat out well actually it's a good question because the boat was put in on the cement platform that I built for the boat and then we built the shed up around the boat okay and when we pulled the boat out we we pulled off the front of the shed where the back of the boat came out of and we lifted we I jacked up the boat on with hydraulic jacks and put it on rollers just just pipe rollers just you know pipe rollers and then I was able to pull it out with a come along out of the out of the shed and then and then the crane could lift up a little bit yeah yeah and the crane could lift up one end of it and would pull it out a little farther but the crane couldn't pull that was one thing the crane guy said i can't pull i can't pull i can lift but i can't pull but it took a whole afternoon to get the boat out of the shed so um again this is coming from like a four-year-old's brain so um (laughs) the things that i remember um i remember the barnacles on the boat that was like a big thing i remember like the little like when you'd leave it in the water for a long time there would be barnacles i remember that being a big thing as a child uh, the big thing is I remembered were uh, crab pots. Is that what you call them? Yeah, we, we would go, we would go crabbing. I was terrified of swimming. I thought a shark, or um, no, I didn't know of sharks at this point in my life, so I thought the crabs were going to bite me. But as I got older, I had a much bigger fears <laughs> of a shark. Um, but I don't know. I think if for us it was normal. So I think that that has been the thing as I've gotten older, realizing that our childhood was very different from others um and so yeah my memories are kind of just funny you know things about like the crabs and different things about the water and being with the family but i just that was kind of normal as funny as that sounds you should tell them about ballet bay and abandoning us well you probably because i don't know i think you should tell it (laughs) so we were up in british columbia and we love being around Desolation Sound and those areas up there. It's so gorgeous. And we were in a place called Ballet Bay. And on there, Nelson Island. On Nelson Island, where there was a hermit there, and that's a whole different thing, but he was really kind of fun. His name was Ralph. But we would, we would go to shore, and we would, you know, go and look for Ralph and, and this kind of stuff. But there was one day um, where they were getting, when they were four, and they got in the dinghy, they couldn't coordinate you know, Franz would have to sit in the middle, and, and one would have an oar on one side, and one would have an oar on the other, and they'd end up spinning around in the middle of the bay and have everybody laughing. But they got a little bit older where they could kind of handle it. And we went for a walk on, the, on Nelson Island, and they went ahead of us. 
and they took the dinghy and rowed to the boat, and we were stuck on the island. And uh, they were just dastardly little devils, and they had a great time with that. And we're yelling from the shore, bring that back, you know, this kind of stuff. And every boat anchored in the bay was just laughing their heads off. And the thing they got punished for is they did not put on life jackets, you know. One wrong move. (laughs) You could have pulled off a caper, but you didn't. (laughs) All right, so um, you've got three sons on the boat. Yeah. And and what are your goals for uh, you trying to create memories for them? Is that what you're doing? You know... Yes, I'm kind of a big believer in there's memories to be had no matter what you're doing, right? If you're working 9 to 5 and stuck at home, like, there's memories there just as much. And one thing we learn as we're here on the boat is, hey, man, your life is your life. And it's really about attitude. Like, like this is an amazing trip, and we're super fortunate to be here. And it's, I don't know that it's life-changing. It's, it's, we're doing the same thing we do at home. We just have this opportunity to spend more time together in a really unique environment that challenges more. And so my hope for them is really to teach them how to be a little bit more responsible. Like, man, Kenny stood night watch while we were sailing up from Albania. And he was the guy making sure that we were all safe. And that was a big confidence booster for him, right? Jack, he just, like, clamped onto He's anchorman. <laughs> you know, and and he can handle the witness, and he knows how to do the hand signals. He knows how to do a scope of five to one. He knows, and he's learning that. And so for me, maybe it's more the growth experiences of getting the responsibility and just getting kind of that confidence and letting them see also just that it's a great big world out there, but it's also kind of small and that you can go where you want to go or do what you want to do and just have kind of, I don't know, for me, maybe the hope in a long roundabout way is it helps them figure out whatever the heck they want to do that makes them happy and do a good job at it later. How about you, sweetheart? Yeah, well, it's fun. So the the boat itself uh, is a lot nicer than we ever thought we'd be able to afford. Because I feel kind of bad, like I'm not roughing it. All of you guys, I've done my time on really rough, ratty boats. Like I put my time in, and it's awesome, and it's great. And so that was one thing where I was like, maybe this isn't. But but the thing I've been excited about, and what we we knew would happen within the first few weeks, because it happens even when you're out for a week or two weeks, is you realize how things aren't important even a camping trip or hiking or climbing or whatever you realize things aren't important and it's the people you're with that are the treasures and are the things that matter and so it's been really cool seeing that evolution even start to happen with the boys realizing how much they appreciate one another and how like they don't need their toys and they don't need the latest things and they don't you know it's just kind of a if they're bored they're gonna go jump in the water or they're going to pull out a fishing pole or they're going to, it kind of forces that creativity. And while, like Jeff was saying, I think, um, you know, you can live your life even back home. We could, we were still at the same priorities, but being on a boat, um, it doesn't take the same discipline that it does at home because there's so many other distractions at home. Right. And so when you're out on the boat, you, you're free from all those distractions. So all those things that you do really cherish and prize they kind of rise to the surface and there's more opportunities to appreciate them if that makes sense you know so your plan is to be out for about a year then yep okay for a year yeah 
that's the idea. You're a, you're a finance guy, and the finances just they they sort of end like it's a it's a pretty defined, you know. We're uh, we're only in a place with what we saved and everything else to make a year work. You know? And we did and like we just... had the discussion. I I have a few clients that I could be doing jobs while I'm out here, mm-hmm. and we made the conscious decision not to do that um, so that I wouldn't be focused on that you know and to kind of be able to say no we're just gonna kind of cut the cord a little bit and and focus on this you know and and because before we were trying to think how do we get supplemental you know money every month coming in positive cash flow where we could kind of extend it but we decided that we would just at least this time around keep it simple and stick to our budget and and cut out those distractions for now. That makes sense. Even though I still am working a little bit. <laughs> I do a couple things every month to bring in some fun money, but it's good. What, what do you do? So I do interior design, and it seems kind of crazy to think that you're doing it from the boat, but I run my own company, and I have awesome clients and people, and so I just do e-design for them. And so that's been kind of nice where I've been able to tell people, you know, I had to give up a lot of really awesome projects, but it was cool and worth it. And I just do little bits here and there, just a little consulting on things here and there and just charge the hourly rate, you know, and so, yeah, it's so, good. So Shara's extremely talented, and she started in earnest about four years ago with her design work. And, and her work and her job are really what has made this trip possible. Um, with that extra income and like, I mean, she won her won every category in like the last parade of homes. If you're from he's Utah, you probably now. know what he's that is, right? Yeah. But trying, uh, she's done a really, really good job. <laughs> um, and and really, because my income's always been sort of just keeping things going, you right. know, or you're, whatever you're it is. Right? Yeah, a mechanical engineer. Yep. Okay. So that income is very steady and consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but that's really Which been able to make it happen. Which gave me the opportunity to kind of go out on my own and think, can I make something of this? You know, because I was able to. I mean, Jeff carried the torch forever, and so yeah. So yeah. But then you talk about sacrifices. Shara's got all this momentum, right, and all these awesome things happening for her business and building that up and getting to the point where she could do a lot of things. And she's just telling people, "Hey." I can't take that job. I'm gone in 12 months. Or, hey, I can do that for three months, and then I'll send you some emails, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. And that's not easy, right, when you're trying to build your thing. But we've definitely prioritized and said this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Making that decision whenever we made it and just sticking with it was pretty key because there's a million times when things would be hard where you could say, ah, maybe we'll put it off here. Ah, maybe it's not the time or whatever. But Yeah, because it really, it really came at a time where Jeff's career, I mean, it was a pivotal point for you too. Things were just falling into place. And it's like we had all these things just telling us to stay home, like all these attractive offers and opportunities and things. And, you know, it all just came down to do we want to invest in, like, our 401K? <laughs> isn't a bad thing or do we want to invest in the kids in this moment and just hit pause you know and we haven't regretted it yet so (laughs) we'll see how it goes i'm going to close down this podcast and we'll just get on to the rest of the conversation tonight but thanks for uh thanks for being on the podcast today hello franz your podcast
Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. <laughs>